click back. Do not reload. We have reconnected to Dimension 404. Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of Anthology presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. If this is your first time listening, Anthology is one man's examination of the Twilight Zone as a first time viewer. Each podcast, I review one episode of Rod Serling's iconic series and round out the show with a bonus review of a movie or show related to the week's main topic. But with Dimension 404 premiering on Hulu on April 4th, I'm covering each episode of Rocket Jump's Anthology sci fi series in this bonus episode series. Uh, you can find more of Anthology at AnthologyPod.com. And if you want to contact me, you can use the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AnthologyPod. Tweet me at ObsessiveViewer or send an email to Matt at ObsessiveViewer.com. If you like what you hear and you want to support the podcast, the easiest way to do that would be to head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. The more ratings and reviews I get, the easier it will be for people to find the show in iTunes' search results. And finally, if you want to show your support with your wallet, you can do that by clicking the Donate button on AnthologyPod. Pod.com or the donate link in the show notes of this episode. You can also go to patreon.com slash obsessive viewer <laughs> and uh, choose one of the anthology reward tiers to make recurring monthly donations. Um, any and all donations made and any reviews on iTunes, any feedback and anything in general um, uh, is greatly appreciated and donations in particular will help pay the fees to keep the podcast running. So today I'll be discussing Matchmaker. It's the first episode of Dimension 404's first season that premiered on April 4th, 2017 on Hulu. And kind of in- an interesting piece of tidbit, I guess, about uh, Hulu's release of Dimension 404 is that Hulu released the first three episodes all at once. And I noticed that they did the same thing with The Handmaid's Tale um, a couple weeks ago now. or And that may have been last week. But anyway... Um, it's kind of kind of interesting because Hulu's always been a one release a week uh, streaming service, and it seems like now they're adjusting. I mean, I haven't read anything up. I haven't read up on it or known how long they've been doing this, but it seems now they're kind of adjusting that to be, you know, a few episodes up front and then weekly after that, um, which I think is a good a good business model, a good way to combat uh, to combat the uh, Netflix all at once release. And kind of temper the, or um, to kind of help the uh, people who are more inclined to not check out a show if it's released uh, once per week. So that was kind of interesting. All right. So as usual, um, what I'm going to do is I am going to read a very short IMDb description for Matchmaker, then go into a brief talent rundown and then go into my uh, thoughts on the episode. So according to IMDb, Matchmaker is uh, the plot description for Matchmaker, I should say, reads as follows. A finicky music blogger finally meets the girl of his dreams through the cutting-edge online dating site Make a Match, but their chemistry seems too good to be true. And uh, I really like that just description because it's so – I mean it's it's a basic plot summary, but it doesn't reveal anything about the inner workings of the episode. So I really appreciate that. Um, this episode features – I have a few uh, actors that I, I can run down here. Uh, Mark Hamill is the narrator, which is freaking awesome. Um, he narrates the episode and also does the opening narration for the theme – like the kind of theme music opening uh, – interstitial thing um of course mark hamill is known as luke skywalker and the joker 
um, from the Batman animated series and animated movies and Arkham games. Um, and it's funny because when I posted back when they released the, uh, the trailer or the, the preview for, um, uh, for, for Dimension 404, a friend of mine, uh, Tommy Day, he's actually, uh, one of the creators of By the Rights, this really cool, uh, movie pitching party game. And he's also about to launch a podcast called the, the Video Store at videostore.fm. But anyway, um, he had commented on, on my post and says, is that Mark Hamill? Um, and I didn't, I, I kind of, I didn't assume that it wasn't Mark Hamill in the, uh, in the thing, but I couldn't find anything at the time on, on, uh, on the, uh, internet to show that Mark Hamill, like he hadn't been credited on, on, uh, IMDb or anything like that. So I was kind of taken aback when I saw that it was Mark Hamill in the, in the first episode that, uh, that he was the voice there. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, uh, kind of the star of this episode is Robert Buckley. Uh, he plays Adam. Uh, he's been in a couple episodes of the show Heart of Dixie, and he's uh, probably most known for um, his roles in iZombie and One Tree Hill. Um, none of those shows I've, I've ever watched. I have a friend who really likes iZombie, so go iZombie. Uh, co-starring as Amanda is Leah Michelle, who is uh, known for Sque- Scream Queens and uh, Glee. And also uh, feature, featured in this episode as Greg is Matt Jones, uh, who I know him most, I know him best from uh, Breaking Bad as Badger, and like I don't know, there's something about him just as as a as an actor that I just that dude is great. I, I love seeing him in anything. Like when he whenever he pops up in something, it's like it's I get so overcome with joy. And his role in this episode is is really good. I thought that it was. Uh, he's, he's a really great character in this, uh, in this episode, but I'll get into that in my review. Um, and then rounding out the, uh, cast is Joel McHale as Matthew Maker. Um, he is obviously best known for the soup and community. Um, I'm a big fan of Joel McHale and I just found out when doing research for this that, um, he is going to be in the David Wayne Netflix movie about National Lampoon. Uh, the movie's called A Futile and Stupid Gesture, and uh, Joel McHale is going to play Chevy Chase, which is amazing to me because Chevy Chase was in community with him, and um, it's it's really interesting casting there, so I can't wait to see that. Writers for this episode are Desmond Dolly and Will Campos and Jake Andrews. Um, I'm going to kind of, since they're all kind of, you know, alums of, of Rocket Jump, and this is the first episode of uh, my review series for Dimension 404, I figured I would take this moment to kind of give a little bit of background from what I can tell about Rocket Jump. Uh, truth be told, I haven't, uh, I haven't been following them that much, or I haven't... Uh, this is this is kind of my introduction to their work um, as well. So I did as much research as I could, and I'm gonna check out some of their stuff as well because as I as I get into this description here, it's kind of tailor made to like my interests and everything. So from their website, they have an about section that's really thorough and really detailed, um, and I'll just read a small sn- uh, snippet from it. Um, uh, according to the website, it says. 
We're a weird hybrid studio production company that, at our core, strives to bring you fun, genuine entertainment, whether it's TV shows, feature films, short films, live streams, tutorials, or anything in between. We pride ourselves on making better stories than you'd expect and with more heart than you'd imagine. And that kind of, that blurb kind of like spoke to me. Like that, that kind of, um, it just seems like it's, these, these guys are, are people who are, uh, content creators who clearly love the creation of the content as much as they love the content that they're creating. And it's like they have, um, it's very thorough, the uh, different things that they have, like they have a rocket jump film school, which goes into detail about how to, how to make films and, 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 uh, kind of do these micro budget things. And, um, the whole rocket jump thing got to start with YouTube and they're just kind of just guys who had jobs, um, in Hollywood that kind of quit and were like, let's just do our thing. And, and that's kind of an, an incredible achievement, first of all, that they've reached so much success and everything. And it's just something that is really, uh, really remarkable to me. And, and to see how far they've come from, from that is like amazing to me. And I really want to check out more of their stuff. Um, Speaking of more of their stuff, um, they have uh, a couple of shows that I kind of want to highlight in this uh, in this section here. Uh, the first one that's probably most known for they're most known for I think is a uh, video game high school, which again I haven't watched. It is available on Netflix though, and I'm going to check it out at some point. Um, the plot description, according to IMDb, is in a futuristic world where gaming is the top sport. A teenager attends a school which specializes in a curriculum of video games in each genre. So that's pretty cool. And then um, the other show that they have that really interests me, and I haven't, I'm, shamefully, I haven't watched any of it yet, even though it's been out for a couple of years, but um, it's a Hulu original. It's called Rocket Jump the Show. Um, it's a behind the scenes look at how short films are produced by the internet sensations from Rocket Jump, shows various aspects of the filming process, as well as a new short with each episode. Like that, I think it's like eight episodes. Um, that sounds really up my alley because, um, as, as you listeners know, um, here, here at obsessiveviewer.com, we do, um, the Obsessive Viewer podcast and then anthology. And then we also do Shocktober and Irvington every year, which is, a, a an event where we screen short horror films from local filmmakers and talk to them about their process and about, about making it making their short films and everything. So seeing something like this is really, really up my alley. And as far as like dimension 404 is concerned as well, they have released a ton of, um, behind the scenes featurettes, even before, even before like they announced the show or before not, not announced the show, but before, the show like had a release date and everything. They had like little like uh, production diary videos that were like really, really candid and really interesting. I really liked, uh, I really liked getting a peek behind the curtain there. And um, I don't know. So my introduction to rocket jump is all of this. And it's kind of just, I don't know. It's something that I'm really, uh, I'm really gravitating toward. I'm really appreciating. And uh, directors for this episode are Steven Cedars and Benji Kleiman. Um, I l- took a look at their IMDb, and they have this movie that's coming out, I guess, this year called Snatchers. Um, the plot description sounds really interesting. Um, the plot description, according to IMDb, is after status-obsessed teen 
Sarah has sex for the first time. She wakes up the next day, nine months pregnant with an alien. Um, that log line just sounds really interesting. <laughs> so that's something I may check out uh, eventually. I think it may be, they also had like a, a, a short um, in their credits that was the same title. So I think it's, it's based on a short. So um, that's something to kind of keep your eye out for. Okay, now I'm going to go into my review of uh, Dimension 404's first episode, Matchmaker, um, to kind of not really change things up, but um, usually I go completely spoilers off right off the bat, but I kind of want to just mention like my initial thoughts in a spoiler-free setting, and then I'll go into more in-depth things. That way, if, if, you, if you're on the fence about getting Hulu, or if you're on the fence about checking out the show, you don't have to risk... Um, uh, hearing, hearing me talk in detail about the episode in, in spoilers, um, before making that decision. So, uh, for those of you who are still considering getting it or in checking it out, um, here's a, a very brief, um, my initial thoughts on the show, uh, on this episode in a non-spoiler fashion. So, so here we go. Um, so Matchmaker, I thought it was a fun episode and I thought it was a really good opener for the series. It was a good, um, it was a good way to kind of introduce us to this world that they're crafting, um, this dimension 404 alternate reality kind of thing. Um, it's, it was a good, it was a good kind of, uh, introduction to, to the mechanisms of, of the show going forward. Um, the concept of online dating is definitely relatable. Um, and also the magic of meeting someone that you think is, is perfect. Like those, those two parts of the show of, of the episode are really what, uh, stood out to me as, as kind of the most relatable and, and honest, uh, depictions of, of that, um, in the show, like the most, um, yeah, honest depictions. Um, the episode has some strong twists that, uh, kind of at some points it ended up being a little bit darker than I expected, but the overall morality of the episode is is strong, and, and kind of the subtext of relationships and how how we process things. Um, it's surprisingly sweet, and I, I really appreciated it. And uh, based on this episode, based on this single episode, I would, I mean, I would recommend checking it out. Like even, I mean, uh, just pay for a month of Hulu and, and binge watch it, and then you can cancel Hulu. I think it would be definitely worth the. I think it's like up to like eleven bucks for Hulu now or 10 or 11, maybe eight. I don't know. Anyway, um, definitely worth it. It's, uh, it was a really strong, uh, first, first episode and I dug it. Okay. And now I'm going to dive into my review at this point. I'm going to go spoilers free. Um, so, or that's, <laughs> that's such a weird way to say that I'm going to go into spoilers. I'm going spoilers free. So that's going to confuse people. I'm going to start spoiling this episode of Dimension 404. So if you are interested in um, in watching the show without without being spoiled, feel free to turn off this episode and go and go check it uh, check it out, um, and then come back and listen to the episode. Um, I know some people are okay with getting spoiled. I just I don't get it. I am the type of person who does not want any spoilers coming through at all until I see something. So, um, I take that, uh, with me into my podcasts. So 
I have been I have adequately alerted you to the spoilers. So here is my review of Dimension 404's Matchmaker. Um, right off the bat, Mark Hamill doing the voiceover voiceover is really cool. I I thought that that I, I just I just love I just love that. I'm not even a huge Star Wars fan, but. Um, I mean, I've been really getting into Batman, the animated series and, and the Arkham games and really just Batman in general and hearing Mark Hamill do the Joker is just, I mean, he is incredible. Um, and his voice is perfect for this. Um, in the opening credit sequence itself where he's saying, I don't, I don't have it right in front of me exactly what he says, but he says that, uh, says that we're transporting you to an alternate reality, um, uh, streaming, what have you. Um, and it says, don't, uh, whatever he says, he says, uh, um, don't adjust your TV. I, I'm just confusing that with the outer limits. Um, but he says, we're transporting you into dimension 404. And that opening credit sequence really reminds me of what I've seen of the outer limits, which is essentially just the opening credits. That's the only outer limits I've seen down the road. I'll, I'll review the outer limits. I'm sure on anthology, um, but it reminded me of, of a mix of The Outer Limits, uh, The Twilight Zone, and a little bit of Doctor Who. Um, just the way that it's kind of like you're going through a cyberspace or like it reminded me of like the, uh, the wormhole effects of the, of the opening credits for Doctor Who. So all that together is just a really strong um, aesthetic to throw at us. And it opens up with um, what looks like a struggle like a buffering screen um and then and then takes us into it from there which i really respected and the production design of that the visual effects of it are are really really strong um so pretty cool so the opening scene has adam sitting at a coffee shop with with the woman from uh make a match uh not knowing that it is a woman from Make a Match. He, he doesn't know the um, scenario that he's about to learn about from in his life and like the truth about his life and everything. Um, but it's presented as a really brutal first date. And I think it's a really cool misdirect. Um, I mean, I honestly, I did not see the twist coming at all. And I do like, I remembered thinking that the scene right at the start seemed a little bit out of place, but I kind of counted it as maybe it was just, Maybe it was just not written that well, or maybe not not that well, but um, it felt like it wasn't written. It felt a little bit underwritten, or kind of kind of awkward the way that it was the way that it was written. But once you get about thirteen minutes into the episode, you realize that there's a reason why. Um, and that was kind of uh, a cool misdirect because I like I remembered thinking that the scene was out of place, but I didn't get the impression that anything was that amiss. I didn't realize that it was going to go down that way. Um, so kind of props to that first scene because that's that seems like a hard a hard uh, tightrope to to uh, to walk because you have to present this guy you you have to present this character as someone who's struggling with dating and, and trying to find, trying to find his perfect match while also, um, putting down clues for, you know, the big reveal, um, uh, in the, after the end of the first act that it's, uh, that it's all, all a ploy and that he's, he's like a, uh, he's not a real person. (laughs) Like he's a clone and, and he's tailor made for this woman. And it's just, it's a, it's a tough thing to really, 
uh, pack into that opening scene while also making it more humor driven and making it comedic. And I think for what they did, even though it did feel just a little bit out of place um, at the first start of it, at the at the the first watch of it, I should say, um, it still was was uh, well done and it fit well into the greater episode. Like in retrospect, rewatching it, it felt it felt more appropriate upon rewatch and very much not out of place because you know kind of what's what what all's going on. Um, and my next kind of note there is that I like how the show seems to be taking a cue from Serling and the Twilight Zone. Um, Mark Hamill's uh, narration mentions that. Like, uh, he's a, like, Adam is about to meet Amanda who resides on the, on the upper west side or southern side or whatever of, uh, of Dimension 404. It's kind of, it's presenting this Dimension 404 as this physical place that's outside of our reality. And even if that's like a thing that's cribbed from Twilight Zone or even the Outer Limits or basically any other, um, anthology show, it's still effective and it still brings us into this world in, in a really effective way. And I'm jumping a little bit ahead of myself, but they kind of go a step further by having, um, by having like a weird visual effect on the screen, like the, like the picture, the resol, the picture resolution, uh, breaking at certain points, like mostly after at, uh, right before act breaks. Um, like that's, that's really cool. Cause it just reminds you that, even though it's a nice like meet cute episode so far, it's uh, there's something more sinister or or darker that's that's hiding beneath the surface, and it's it's things aren't as they quite as they seem, and I think that that's a really cool way to uh, to bring us into this new series and in this world of Dimension Four Hundred Four. Um, and so Adam goes home to his apartment, and we meet uh Matt Jones's character Greg. Who again? I mentioned this in the in the talent rundown, but Matt Jones, man, he is such a he's such a he's such a good like buddy actor. Like he is so he's just so cool. I I love the dude. He um and he plays this role like really well. Um, like the dialogue between the two, it felt so much like the like the obligatory buddy scene of a rom com where these um where like the the main character is is having a hard time, so he and his friend are talking about it. Um, it's a, the scene that that type of scene is like really uh really well aped in uh the David Wayne movie. Um, they came together, um, which I love that movie by the way. But anyway. Um, it just, it, the whole, like the structure of that scene with Matt Jones and, and Adam is like, it's, it's all by design to feel like the buddy, the buddy scene of a rom-com I'm sure, but it's still really good atmosphere and it really brings you into this world and, and the, uh, the pressures of dating that Adam faces and the disappointment that he faces. And you can kind of see like a logical or you can follow the logic of the, of the episode and saying that, yeah, Greg set him up for online dating and cause he's a buddy. It's not because he works for make a match or anything. Um, as we learn later. So I don't know. I just, I just really, I just really, uh, dug that scene in the entire, I'm, I, again, I'm getting kind of ahead of myself, but the entire premise of the show and, and of the make a match site is that they're manufacturing the perfect person for, 
for someone that's looking for a mate. Um, they're manu they're literally manufacturing a person. Um, and it's like, they're doing that rather than the, uh, the person finding, finding, a, finding someone that they connect with. And it's a little disturbing and just a little bit depressing, um, on the surface at least. And, uh, we get, we get a really good scene with Joel McHale later in the episode that kind of dives into that a little bit more in the, in the kind of deeper meaning behind it. But, um, just on the surface, it's, it's kind of, it's a little disturbing to think that people are so distraught or so lonely that they, that they want to have someone that's created for them, um, to, to spend their time with. And it's, it's a really interesting concept and the way that the episode plays out in the, in the idea of multiple matches and everything is really interesting to me. And I'll get into that in a while in in a little bit, but I just thought that the concept itself is just uh, a little bit depressing. <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, having Joel McHale be the, the creator of it, the, his name is Matthew Maker, which I thought was kind of silly and funny. Um, he has this charisma to him that is so, that fits really well to this character in this, in this storyline. Cause he is this, like he, uh, how could I, how should I describe that? Cause I'm not even sure how to characterize Joel McHale as an actor, but he is the type of guy who, he seems like straightforward and, and genuine, but still like really sketchy at the same time. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe him, but he just seems like he has this he has this energy to him that is like oozes confidence. Um that you want to trust him, but you know that there's something that's kind of beneath the surface that may not be all that all that uh all that it's cracked up to be, um, which I, I, I think is a great quality to have for this particular character. Um, so after that we get Adam and Amanda's, uh, first date, which I thought this scene, this scene was so sweet. Um, the, the actors have really great chemistry together and, uh, the way that, um, Robert Buckley, the way that he, is so genuinely surprised and, uh, kind of right off the bat smitten by Amanda. Um, and his, his just genuine like awe toward her is like, it's, it's kind of, it's palpable. Like you can feel the chemistry and you can feel the connection to the characters or with the characters, even though it's kind of the whole thing is manufactured in a way it, in that way. It's still a really interesting way, uh, or a really, a really well done, um, first date scene. And it really sells us on like, it, it really sells us on the relationship and, and the chemistry between them, which is something that we need because this is the only scene with them, um, as, as a couple, or this is the only, this is really the only shot that we get for them to show that they're, you know, that they're so compatible and, and great because the next scene that the only other scene we have with them um, is the breakup scene. And then we have a scene at the end of the episode, which is them just bumping into each other. So it's really, uh, it's really important to have a really strong, um, first scene and really strong chemistry in this scene, because this is the moment where they're happiest. And that's the moment where they're most, uh, it's the brightest spot of the episode really. 
and after the app, after the act break, we get a really interesting scene to me with Greg, where he's trying to calm down Adam a bit. And it's really interesting to watch on a second viewing because Greg works for make a match and he's like, um, off the bat when, when Adam tells him that he's in love with Amanda and then he can't like, he, he wants to buy her a ring, not an engagement ring, but something really nice. Um, Greg kind of, you know, he's like, he's, he raises, like he, he gets up and he's like, you need to calm down. Just, just take it slow and everything. Um, it's interesting for a couple of reasons because Greg is clearly is like he's paid to be the best friend of the of the bio, biogenetic love companions that are for Amanda. So he's met like five of these guys or four of these guys at this point. And the fifth one seems like and it's kind of confirmed later in the episode that he is he like he Greg is is better friends with that iteration of Adam. Like they're they're buddies and he doesn't want to see him get, you know, discarded. Um, and, and it also plays really well to the, to the, to the rom-com feel of it. Cause you don't suspect that at that point, uh, that he is working for the company. He's just looking out for his friend and it, it works for, it, it works as a kind of a double edged thing where he is, he, he's helping him or, or he's, uh, giving him that advice because he's friends with him, but it's also because he knows what's on the other side. He knows that it's if he if he scares her off, he's going to get taken away. So it's kind of an interesting layer there. Um and and like this whole first like segment of the episode is so I mean it's so fast-paced cuz we've got so much already and we're only like maybe 12 10 10 to 12 minutes into the episode. Um and it kind of culminates or, or the, uh, this section of it kind of culminates with, um, the, the scene where Adam goes to Amanda's or, or speaks to Amanda and he is pouring his heart out to her. Um, and it's, I, I love the way that this episode, this, the scene, the sequence is structured because it is creating this, um, romantic comedy monologue scene where he's like, I'm, I want to spend, uh, spend all my time with you. And uh, no, like, like she's like, she freaks out and then tells him that, uh, she can't, she can't deal with something so serious that at this time. And then he just, he like rejects that. And he's like, no, that's not, that's, we're meant to be together. And like, he starts to do this whole rom-com monologue and the music starts to swell up. And then she just takes out her phone and blocks him. <laughs> And the make a match people come in and take them, and it's so disorienting and so uh, so out of nowhere and so quick that it's. I really appreciated it for a comedic effect and for the surprise of it because I wasn't quite expecting that. And the fact that she used her her phone to do that reminded me a little bit of Black Mirror and how they had a block function in the uh, in White Christmas. Um, to an extent, it reminded me of that. So now we're like 13 minutes into the episode, and the episode itself throws this huge curveball at us. Um, and I felt like this is this was really good for an opening episode, um, um, for the most part. So it was really good for us to be disoriented so soon in the episode. Like I, I mean, I was so surprised by it um, because you would think that they would save something as big and earth shattering, uh, for the ending, like make it, make it be like, uh, the whole episode be them struggling with their relationship. And then it turns out that he has been, um, uh, a clone this whole time. And, and, 
that's how it ends. But this way we get this whole we get this whole other way of looking at the the scenario in the 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 world building and everything that goes into the episode after after Adam is put back in uh to the make a match like place and the episode itself becomes something completely different um so i really appreciated them doing that so soon in the episode and and everything however it is just a little bit disorienting and and discombobulating a little bit because it effectively reboots the entire episode because we've got we've got this relationship uh, with this relationship at the core of the story that just ended. And then we have the friendship with, with, uh, Matt Jones's character. And then we've, we've got like a foundation there and then it's all kind of, um, taken away and, and put into this, this, uh, this new episode style where we are introduced with four other to, to four other atoms and, and the whole inner workings of the make a match thing. Um, so it's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit disorienting. It's a little bit, um, a little confusing for, for just a second and it reboots the episode and everything, but it wasn't anything that I had too much trouble, trouble with because it did end up, uh, really expanding upon, what this make a match thing is all about. And, and it really was really effective, uh, world building for me. So it's a bit of a trade off, but once you get past that initial disorientation, it's, it's, uh, it works in the episode's favor quite a bit. Um, and I like kind of the hints at, at a deeper futuristic world outside of, outside of the make a match thing, because in the, in the video, uh, Matthew maker, he says that, uh, we can't something to the effect of we can't kill the kill the biogenetic love companions. Uh, so you can, if you've been rejected, you can have a prosperous life here. And it's funny because it's just a couple of like, uh, you can have a prosperous life here with, um, a job. And he names like three, just really, really menial jobs. Um, or you can do, or you can donate yourself to, um, the, biogenetic recycling thing, which is basically killing yourself. And he says that he says that we can't kill them due to the sentient life form protection act, which I thought that was a nice, like little piece to, to uh, throw in to kind of hint at a, at a, at a more futuristic uh, world. Um, it was a pretty cool um, piece of a uh, background. So, when I was rewatching this episode and it went into the whole um, description of what this what this make a match thing is all about that they're creating a um, creating a match specifically for the client it's really interesting because I could see it as being a service to kind of create a new relationship for every new phase of your life and that's kind of the impression I got from the parody uh commercial breaks, um, that happened, uh, throughout the rest of the episode, it kind of seemed like, oh, now, now if this girl is into kind of a cowboy thing, um, she can make a cowboy for herself or uh, kind of a country guy. Um, or like if, if you're into a certain type of thing in your life, um, you can pick someone who is compatible for that interest level and everything. And I thought that it was a really interesting, um, avenue to go down for this episode because it's it kind of speaks to the different phases of your life and how how you change over time um for sure uh 
Um, and then we get a look at the kind of menial job that that uh, Adam gets, and it's this really gray, colorless world. Uh, the guys eat gruel, and and it's just like they're just going day to day doing the same thing. It's kind of they're just not nothing is engaging in their life. And I feel like this segment in this section really sums up the kind of boat, uh, uh, post breakup funk that you get. Um, cause like if you're in a relationship and you get, you know, dumped or, or the relationship ends, a lot of people have this feeling that it's like completely, uh, um, gray and everything is just really nothing, nothing can excite you anymore. Um, for that, for that time period. And it feels like this, this was a good, um, visual representation of, of what that feeling is like. And what's worse is, um, Adam seeing the clone for Adam six, um, where he is seeing the modifications and, um, that, Oh God, that is so brutal and heartbreaking because it's, it's seeing what your ex wanted to change about you, about who you are as a person. What, what was it about you that didn't work for you, uh, work for your ex? And it's like, it is so, that is so brutal to see. Um, yeah. Oh, that, that one hurt. (laughs) Um, uh, and then, so the episode kind of goes into a different avenue than what I was expecting. So, um, the fifth mark, our, our mark, not Mark, Adam, Mark five, Adam, Mark five, Adam version five, um, Adam five. He, uh, he pretends to be Adam six and that's a really, that's a good strong way uh, to go. And it, it made me think that he would get away with it in the whole episode, the rest of the episode would be him going back to Amanda and, and fixing things and, and being with her forever and everything. Um, but the episode doesn't go that route. It turns into this uprising and this, this kind of, uh, uh, this, this uprising that goes on. Um, and I thought, I I think that that's a really interesting avenue as I'll, as I'll talk about here in a moment, because, um, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute because I want to touch on this this next scene where um, after he's found out to be impersonating this uh, Adam Six, uh, he has a conversation with Matthew Maker, and um, that scene. First of all, the scene where they're just sitting there and and he's eating, and it's all white and everything. It reminded me very vaguely of the end of two thousand one, A Space Odyssey. Um, just, just really vaguely. I don't know if that's by design or if that that was intentional, but it, I kind of got that sterile environment and uh, very, uh, very kind of serious tone and everything. It reminded me a bit of the end of two thousand one. But anyway, I really liked the dialogue in this scene. Um, the way that Joel McHale's character um, kind of talks about the he emphasizes like what went into creating Make a Match and why. Uh, why he did it. His wife had died and he, like, there was no, um, like, he knew that no one, like, he actually says there's not someone out there for everyone, but there should be. I thought that was a really poignant thing to say. Like, that's, that's really kind of profound because it's, it's showing that he's, he's not an evil person. (laughs) It's just, he wants, you know, he wants people to have their perfect match. Um, and then that, 
that kind of sentimental kind of gesture uh, kind of gets shot to hell because he says, uh, he tells him that uh, he compares Adam to a cow and he says, cows don't leave the slaughterhouse, steaks do. Um, I just, I thought that that scene was really great, really well done. Um, and then we get another sweet moment between Greg and Adam where Greg shows him Amanda's video from when she first joined the service. And, uh, I like that they showed that other side of it. Um, because it's, it shows that they're not like, cause you get the, you get the, uh, the parody segments for the make a match, uh, uh, commercials there where each one is different. Each one is the girl is getting more and more just, uh, tired of the guy's, the guy's crap. Um, and just getting really, really unhappy with it each iteration. Um, and then it kind of gets you like, I was kind I was finding myself up until the scene with the, with Amanda's original video, I kind of got the, uh, impression like how, like the clients that are ordering these matches are kind of horrible. Cause I mean, they're just like, they're, they're ordering a specially made person and then rejecting them when they don't feel a connection with them or, or they're changing them out for something that fits their personality a little better. But we get to see like what prompted Amanda to do it. She's having this very, um, this very open conversation with the, with the camera operator or whoever, whoever is uh, interviewing her for her, for her bio. Um, and you can tell like she's, you know, she's been hurt and it's just, it's, it's really sweet to see that and, and to get that, um, to get that shown to us. And I like the, the gesture that Greg makes. And he says that, um, cause he says that Adam is, or cause Adam says that he's nothing without Amanda and all that stuff. And so Greg is showing him like, this is what you are. This is what, like, this is the person that she wanted. And this is the person that you are at your core. Um, I thought that was really sweet. Um, and then that kind of completes Adam's, uh, his, uh, character characterization a little bit. Cause he has this moment in the cafeteria where, uh, Tokyo heartache comes on and he has this big speech about how they don't need Amanda and that they can't let one relationship control their lives and they need to, you know, get past it. They're, they're great people. Like it's, it's this really, uh, this really optimistic and really, uh, true to, true to post breakup feelings. Um, it's just, it's really cool to see him kind of rally the troops. Um, and then, and then that's when the uprising starts and that's when the kind of, the kind of the riot thing happens. Um, which I'll get to in a second, but first I just want to say the gruel that they're eating, I kind of think it looks a little good. I don't, I don't, maybe it's just me, but I kind of, it kind of reminded me of strawberry milk or like a strawberry milkshake or something. Um, I don't know. It looked good, but anyway, so, so the, all the clones and everything, they create this uprising, they fight back and everything. Um, and this is, we're almost to the end of the episode and you do need like a big, a big thing at the end. Um, I felt like putting, putting maker into the recycler. I I felt like that was just a little bit dark. Like, I don't know what that means for the world on the outside. Cause they just killed a human being. The, like they're creations who just killed, killed their maker. And it's like, 
it seemed a little bit dark and a little bit disturbing to have to have them uh have them just kill the dude um but it was fine it was it was a minor a minor uh uh a minor issue for me i guess and then the episode ends with with adam running into amanda and this very it's a very genuine kind of kind of uh moment where they where they meet they see each other and they just happen to run into each other. It's just, it's kind of the, um, the quintessential, like, Oh, we've broken up, but here's, how's it going? Catch up kind of thing. Um, I thought it was really sweet. It was, it was awkward and, and it was, it was nice. Um, and I liked that they left it open-ended. She wants to see him again, or she says that they should, uh, get coffee sometime. And then he tells her about the band and everything. It's just, it felt just very natural and very, very sweet. And I liked how it was open-ended at the end and kind of the parting shot of, uh, the, the, uh, the flyer for Adam and the Adams. I thought that was a nice touch. I thought that was kind of cute. Um, so yeah, so that was, that was, that was, I mean, that's my review of, of, uh, Dimension 404's Matchmaker. Um, overall, I, I mean, I didn't go into the show expecting black, black mirror levels of bleak worldviews, or I didn't go into it expecting the Twilight Zone level of social commentary or anything. But honestly, I felt like this first episode is just a really good introduction to what I hope the rest of the show continues to be. Um, it's a somewhat lighthearted science, uh, science fiction anthology show. But with some surprising heart and message behind it, um, we got a lot of really cool, like post breakup kind of emotions and, uh, and the way that the color palette changes a little bit here and there and how it becomes a visual representation of the, the post breakup funk that people feel themselves in and that post, uh, post breakup depression that people feel. Um, I thought it was just really, it was really honest in that portrayal and very, uh, very much a, a sweet and um, lighthearted with a little bit of darkness um, look at, you know, what makes us who we are and what makes, what makes it, what makes us feel so um, connected to other people and, and things like that. Um, so overall, I thought it was a, it was a good inter, in uh, good introduction to uh, dimension four or four. And I'm looking forward to checking out the other five episodes um, that are now all on Hulu. Cause I took my time with getting this first uh, bonus episode up. I'm a little bit rusty with the solo podcasting. I took a little bit of a hiatus and I've got a bunch of stuff going on now. So hopefully I can keep, keep going and, and keep being consistent and everything. But, um, as always, I really appreciate you guys listening and everything. Uh, the next bonus episode is going to be, uh, for the episode of dimension 404 titled Cinethrax, uh, which features Pat Oswalt, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, cause I love Pat Oswalt and, uh, uh, it, I don't know anything about it, but, um, it's about movie going, I'm sure, which I'm a huge fan of obviously. Um, so check back, uh, in a bit for, for that episode. And if you're joining me for this bonus episode series, just because you're a fan of dimension four or four and you haven't checked out my other, uh, anthology episodes, feel free to go check them out. Um, at anthologypod.com. I have the whole first season of the twilight zone reviewed and also every episode of black mirror. I have solo reviews for that, uh, series. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed this and I hope you, um, check out the rest of my stuff. Um, yeah, so that's about it. Next week on the um, 
on the main episodes of Anthology is episode two of season two, uh, titled The Man in the Bottle, and a bonus episode or a bonus review of uh, an episode of The X Files. So check that out this uh, coming week. And yeah, um, that'll do it for this special bonus episode of Anthology. Um, in the first episode of my bonus episode series of Dimension 404. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Anthology, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. For more of Anthology and a full archive of my episodes, go to AnthologyPod.com. And if you want to help support the show, the easiest way you can do that is by leaving a rating and a review on iTunes. You can also make donations to the show courtesy of the donate link in the show notes of each episode and on AnthologyPod.com. For recurring donations, you can become a patron at Patreon.com slash ObsessiveViewer and just choose one of the Anthology reward tiers. If you enjoy Anthology, feel free to check out The Obsessive Viewer, a weekly movie and TV podcast I host with my friend Tiny and occasional guest co-hosts over at ObsessiveViewer.com. You can also join The Obsessive Viewer Facebook group at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer. For book reviews and commentary on the world of reading, check out our sister site at obsessivebooknerd.com. And for philosophical discussions from a secular viewpoint, check out my friends Chad and Amanda at thesecularperspective.com. Finally, if you'd like to contact me with your thoughts on the show, my reviews, my bonus reviews, or for any other reason, you can tweet me at obsessiveviewer, send me an email at matt at obsessiveviewer.com, or send me a message on Facebook and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash anthologypod. Once again, thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.